Gentlemen, welcome back this week. Today we have an incredible conversation and a truly amazing guest joining us on the show. Incredibly honored to have with us here today none other than Dr. Damon Friedman. Dr. Friedman received his commission in 2000 as a United States Marine Corps officer and then later transferred into the Air Force's elite as a special warfare officer. He retired as a lieutenant colonel after 20 years, having served four combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan and is 100% service connection disabled. His decorations include three bronze stars, one with valor, and the Air Force Combat Action Medal. He is a former squadron commander and former director of future operations for the Special Operations Command Center. In 2011, Dr. Friedman established SOF missions with a focus on empowering warriors to find purpose and be resilient. This national nonprofit offers a unique approach to veteran care through a whole health intradisciplinary method that incorporates a restorative care program that addresses the areas of psychological, physical, spiritual, and social wellness. He has received numerous national awards to include the Spirit of Hope Award from the Secretary of Defense, which recognized his national efforts to help the veteran community. Dr. Friedman is also the executive producer of Surrender Only to One, a multi-award winning film which follows the true life stories of elite combat warriors and U.S. Special Operations Forces and reveals the implications of combat and the lasting effects on veterans' struggles to overcome. He is also the author of The Igniting Movements, a new book that provides a model for building effective movements, inspiring people to come together under a singular vision to make the world a better place. Dr. Friedman is also the chairman of the Veterans Service Alliance, a nonprofit that advocates for the 20 million veterans to the White House, Department of Defense, and Veteran Affairs. The VSA serves around a million veterans a year. Dr. Friedman holds a doctorate in intercultural studies from Fuller and is currently pursuing executive education and public leadership at Harvard University. Truly decorated individual here with us on the show here today, guys. Really honored to be bringing Dr. Friedman in our approach, theories, worldviews, concepts, ideas around health, wellness, restorative coaching runs so parallel. And in this episode, Dr. Damon and I are going to discuss what being an American means to him and why he decided to serve this amazing country. What facing evil in its eyes and seeing death does to someone and how that impacted Dr. Damon's life early on in his military career. We also talk about why so many uh, veterans are struggling today, both while in combat, but also what happens to them once they leave this military service. And then we're gonna talk about the origin story of why he started FLS missions and what they are doing in the world today, helping so many incredible soldiers and veterans getting back to healing and getting back to health guys and so much more. Absolutely incredible conversation. This was when I got to actually go into Dr. Damon's studio here in Tampa, Florida and record with him. So you guys are probably gonna feel a little bit different of an energy and vibe between the two of us because sitting in person and having an intimate conversation always comes across a little bit better in my opinion than these virtual ones that we've been doing for so many years, guys. But without further ado, let's get into this conversation with the man himself, Dr. Damon Friedman. We love you guys and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to The Superhuman Life. I'm your host, Frank Rich, and this is the only podcast in the world that is dedicated to helping men level up in the five key areas of life. Each week, we bring you real and raw conversations with the world's leading experts in faith, fitness, finance, family, and freedom to provide you with real actionable tools to break limiting beliefs, 
take action, and shatter the glass ceiling on your life's potential. So jump on board and join me on this journey as we dive into today's conversation and unlock the keys to you becoming the man you were born to be and creating your own superhuman life. Dr. Damon, welcome to The Superhuman Life. Man, I've heard so much about this podcast. I, I'm just super excited to be here. And you're, 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 in my, you're, in my, you're in my hometown here, right? And we get a chance to sit down and talk about a very pertinent subject Not here. Not just your hometown, man. We are here recording live in person in your studio. I know, First dude. Off, so awesome. Incredibly grateful to, uh, to be welcomed here today. We're in this absolutely beautiful setup. For you guys listening on the audio side of things, you may want to check this one out on YouTube because Dr. Damon has been so gracious to let us step into his studio here today, but uh, I want to jump right in, man. I want to jump into you, your story, and obviously all the work that you're doing with Soft Missions here today. Why don't you take us back in time, though? Uh, you've obviously dedicated your life to serving this country. Was there a pivotal point uh, for you in your life when you said, you know what, I'm an American, and I want to make sure that I serve this country to the highest degree? Yeah, absolutely. So my story really began uh, back in my childhood. I was born and raised in downtown Los Angeles. I lived in 14 different places in the first 12 years of my life. I was raised by a single mother from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, my biological father uh, was, um, you know, not good to our family. He was very physically and psychologically abusive. I would even say spiritually at times. And, um, and really uh, left a scar uh, in our, our family. Um, and you know, so I've, I, I'm looking at my mother and she's her incredible work ethic, working 18 hours a day for four dollars and 25 cents an hour, whatever job is out there to put rice and beans on the table for my twin brother and I. And, um, you know, while my mom was out there working really hard. Um, you know, my brother and I got into a lot of trouble and uh, it happens. And uh, unfortunately, uh, ended up uh, in juvie. Uh, and it was in that jail cell where I realized that if I continue to do what it is that I was doing, I'm going to end up being what everybody has told me I, that I was. And that was a loser. And it's really unfortunate how many kids are getting uh, such, uh, I mean, j just this, 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 this language that's kind of spoken to them because uh, from their parents or people that they trust, close people, family members, teachers, things like that. And they're speaking this truth into their future. And, um, and that future is like, hey, you're never going to mount anything. You're never going to win. You know, you're going to always be a loser. And so I've growing up, I felt very insecure. I was a little guy, right? I'm five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. I was the kid that everybody got, you know, that, that beat on. I'm looking at you, you're, you're stout stud, huge, strong, beastly man, you're the guy that would bully me because I'm the little guy in the room. It's like, I think I'm just going to flex and let all the women know who the man is. And I think I'm just going to pick on this little dude, you know, and my first name is Francis. So try being raised in downtown LA in the melting pot with a name like Francis, man. It's like, you know, it's like a boy named Sue. I'm sure you know about that. My good old Johnny Cash wearing all black. Okay. Representing. Okay. Love your music. But so I was that kid. And so I was always fighting and fighting and, and I was losing. And the reason why I got into that jail cell is because I was too busy listening to everybody else. And in that jail cell was the first time in my life where I heard a different voice and that voice spoke to me and I didn't know what it was, who it was or whatever it was, but I, it was so powerful and it was so profound and it spoke to me and it says, I have plans for you, plans to win and persevere, not to lose. I believed in that. And it was in that jail cell that I made a command decision in my life that I was going to stop running away from cops and start running toward a future. Um, start running 100 mile weeks, 
became a junior Olympian for the United States of America, ultimately representing the U.S. on foreign soil. Got myself a full scholarship. And I was the first one to go to college, the U.S. college, my brother and I. And so, so what happened was, to answer your question, is that when I was done and I finally graduated, I looked back in my life, bro. I looked back in my life. And I came back and I was like, you know what? When we didn't have a place to stay, our country provided. We lived in 14 different places in the first 12 years. Why? They're busy running away. Get, getting away from my, 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 my violent biological father. Getting away. You know, never having a job. So sometimes, because we're moving from one place to another, she couldn't keep a job. And then, you know, that she, she had to start from the beginning. There are times she didn't have enough money to feed us. Our government was there. Our country provided. And then when it was time for a future, I got me a scholarship to go to college. So my mom comes in. And she says, all right now, son, what are you going to do now? And I'm going to tell you, a hundred percent. I said, I want to serve my country. I'm a patriot and I want to give back. And I decided to join the United States Marine Corps. Oorah to all my devil dogs out there. Semper Fi. Incredible, man. And, and, and thank you for your service and the continued service that you're doing with our vets. Uh, I want to go back to that moment there when you talked about in juvie and hearing this voice. I'm assuming that voice you heard speaking to you, you would identify as, or you would call God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Was it an audible voice? And a second question to that, where was your relationship with God prior to that moment? Yeah, I didn't know. I I, I didn't, uh, you know, um, but you know, I, I was introduced to a lot of spirituality but there was, it was just very muddled, right? It was, it was muddled. And, uh, and just kind of looking back, uh, the concept of God was real. The concept of God, I believed. And just in true fashion, as, as we will talk a little bit later on about on this podcast, but it was later on that I realized that, that I, I knew who God was, but I never really embraced him as my master, my savior, my Lord, my commander. And I'm not afraid to ever share that on any podcast, on, uh, on any platform, yeah. in any institution, Right. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if you're conservative or you're liberal. Like, I think that there's a moment in time when the creation recognizes the creator. And then there's another moment in time when then the creation embraces the creator as one to follow forever. Right. Yeah. And, and so for me, I didn't have a relationship before then. Now, you asked me, was it audible? So it's interesting because I asked people of faith just recently. I, I've never asked people this question before. Never. Have you ever experienced God? And it's crazy. I've got goosebumps all over my body. There are a lot of people that claim to be believers, people of faith, and they never have. And I have to ask myself, well, then how can you really believe in God? Mm-hmm. And I'm not charismatic. I'm not like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm a realist and I'm a relativist. Like I really am. And, and the reality is, is that, is it my interaction with the God of the universe has been so incredible and so, like, uh, the experience has been very powerful. It's nothing that I've made up. Yeah. So in that jail cell, it's almost like the way that God speaks to me is that there's just this moment when all of a sudden time just stops. Mm. And it's just me and this sound and this, this voice and this, and this feeling. And it's so powerful. And it's just like I can hear my heartbeat. And it's always in the silence. And, and for all I know, there could be crazy sounds going everywhere. But for that one moment, boom, boom. <laughs> I just hear and feel this and I don't know how to explain it, but it's here and it's here and it's almost like nobody can see it but me. Mm. And I'm going to tell you something. Every time I've had those moments and I've had a handful of them, everything that was spoken to me has come to fruition. 
It's pragmatic in nature. Can you imagine that? To say that, to say my relationship with God and many times is pragmatic, right? One plus one does equal two. And so for me, that's, that, that's how I am. I am a believer. Now, did I take that step of faith? We'll talk about that later. Yeah. 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 That's incredible, man. Um, I resonate a whole lot with that feeling of the peace that God can bring to you in the most chaotic times. I shared this on a recent episode with Dayani, uh, turned it into a social media clip, but there was a point for me four months after, you know, finding my faith a couple days after kind of changing my life for good and and, and quitting porn. Uh, I had this massive outburst of anger and, and, and just rage and I ended up breaking my hand. And as I'm laying on the floor in my old bedroom, hand is double the size it should have been every bone was broken every metacarpal was was absolutely shattered in that moment though damon i felt a sense of peace Mm -hmm. and calm over me and the only thing that i could point to it at the time was that it was god saying i got you in this Mm -hmm. in this moment Mm -hmm. like where i should be stressed irritable heart rate through the roof like Mm -hmm. i was i had a 57 heart rate like it was just so Mm -hmm. calming and Mm -hmm. for me that was an experience of god in my life saying Mm -hmm. hey Mm -hmm. walk with me follow me and we'll lead you Mm -hmm. you know to where you're supposed to be so i guess you know sticking with this this topic here you know you mentioned that you've asked a lot of people like have you ever experienced god and you know so few that have a relationship maybe point to God as King or, 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 or point to Jesus as, as Lord. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a link between those two? So many people knowing who God is, but not knowing him and then not being able to experience mm-hmm. him. So I think that I have this concept called the plastic Jesus. And that's the Jesus that everybody, you know, that each and every person wants to believe in, but it's yeah. not the real Jesus. And so I think that the biggest delta that's, that, that we're dealing with right now, especially um, uh, when it comes to the, the faith, is that people really don't truly understand who Jesus really is, what he really said, and what he really taught. Mm. I think what people do is that they, they associate Christianity, which is a Christ follower, right? It's a Christian faith with the, with the Christian religion, which is led by, by men in different institutions and different organizations. And so there's a lot of hurt that happens in, in, in religion. I mean, and that's across the board. I, I, I can completely understand and appreciate people that go, you know, it's religion that, that causes so much turmoil in the world. And in, in many ways, there's truth to that. You know, there, there is. But I think that um, the, the concept of understanding who God is, and understanding who Jesus is, one walks to the other, right? Because the, the, the reality is, is that it, it begins with a journey. In the book of Romans, in the book of Romans, one of the greatest philosophers of all time, Paul writes this letter to Rome. And he really begins by saying, hey, to, to all of you who are reading this letter right now, to all of you who are hearing this letter right now, look, look, look to the stars. Yeah. Look to the constellations. Look into the mountains. Look to the look to the uh, the mountains. Look, look into the oceans. Look into you know um, uh, all this magnificence in the world. That's the Creator, mm-hmm. and and man will be without excuse. I still don't understand how anyone, in any t- intellectual capacity, can say there is no God. I I really can't. And normally when I have these conversations, it, it's um you know not quantitative in nature. It's usually philosophical. It's relativistic. It's really just like I just don't want to believe in. It. I just don't want to. I mean, it's it's weird. Yeah. But the reality is, it doesn't change the fact that there's a designer, and the design declares without a shadow of a doubt there's a God. Now, how is that different than Jesus? Well, that's that's one leads to the other because Jesus has come to save the world. Yeah. The perfect sacrifice. It says that there's no greater love than lay down your life for another. Mm. Right? I mean, and if you just think about it for a split second, right? Let's take a step back. Isn't that true? There's a war in this world. 
Like we see it all the time. I'm talking about the physical war right now. All right. And then we could parallel with the spiritual war. There's good and there's evil. And what does it require to fight evil? Good men and women to stand in the gap and to ultimately not only fight for what's what for freedom and to fight for those that can't fight for themselves to free the oppressed. It's not only about fighting, but it's about sacrificing your own life. Okay. Without the shedding of blood, there is no freedom, bro. There isn't. And I'm here to tell you that it is the greatest sacrifice that any human being on earth can make. And the reality is, is that, you know, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. All the historical evidence points that there was this man who did come, right? This isn't even religious in nature. This is history. These are facts. This is anthropology. You go to every country around. You could, you could literally, did you know that you could literally grab the Bible, throw it out? And then grab every historical document within all of the uh, regions and, 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 and countries and nationalities and all the people movements. You could package it all together. You could basically rebuild the Bible. But why? Because it's a historical document with historical significance that radically changed and transformed the world. What happened in the first century? Anyway, I could keep going. No, no, this is all good, man. Uh, and obviously I want to get to some of you know, the things that, that war did to you, how that has shaped your views on faith, on God, on evil and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. I want to maybe push you here on something, if you're okay with it, that you said, you said religion has hurt a lot of people. And I can see where that argument comes from, but I want to maybe see if we can possibly reframe it. Cause I don't think religion has done anything Mm -hmm. to anybody. I think it's Mm -hmm. the people Mm -hmm. within the religion. Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, religion can be a vessel Mm -hmm. for good, or it can be a vessel for bad, just like anything. Cars don't kill people. Right. People behind the wheel mm-hmm. driving cars mm-hmm. kill people. Man of, mm-hmm. of service, mm-hmm. man of military. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're uh, a big advocate mm-hmm. of the Second Amendment. Yes. Guns don't kill people. Yeah. Bad people, evil people, using guns for bad things mm-hmm. kill people. So yeah. what do you have to say about just kind of that frame? Well, that maybe it's not the religion. It's bad people within the religion. So uh, so what I like to do is, is um, and I appreciate this push because uh, I like it. Okay, I'm going to embrace this. <clears throat> so let's look at Hamas right now and what they did to Israel, okay? I, I, I don't care if you're a Muslim or you're a Christian or you're a Jew. What they did, the raping of children and the killing and, and, and women and all that, um, shooting an 80-year-old um, grandmother in the head, all right? Stuff like that. Um, there is a doctrine that supports uh, these movements, right? It's their doctrine. It's their doctrine of terrorism. Now, is it man that developed it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think sometimes when I, when I kind of uh, say uh, religion, it is the, the, the doctrines that are established by man. Okay. okay? So they're driven by man. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have all the sheep that just kind of follow and say, because we have, we literally have across the nation. This morning I was praying as I was looking at um, um, a video of a professor at the University of Columbia, Columbia University. And, um, and uh, he comes out and he said um, um, that right now, our institutions of our elite academic institutions, Harvard, Berkeley, NYU, Columbia, that the, that the elite, like the university presidents are not taking a stand against student organizations that are supporting, it's, you know, uh, pro-terrorist student organizations. Those kids who don't know much at all about anything in the world. All right, so you, you got a high IQ, you, you crushed it on the SATs and the ACTs, and you had a really great GPA, and highly probably you had a bunch of wealthy parents that paid for a really great, you know, pre-collegiate school, 
right? And now you're in Colombia, and now you're standing up and you're like, oh, what Hamas did was right. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. Okay, you're wrong. But I, I, I'm going to side with you on this one because it is man that drives these doctrines. Those doctrines are established, and then all of a sudden, they become gospel for people. And now it's, it's tainting the young minds and, and, and the people around the globe. Anybody who supports what Hamas did is absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. Right? And so, um, but, but, but I'm with you. You know, um, let me just kind of caveat with this. When people, you know, talk about, oh, um, they'll say something negative about the Christian faith. Uh, and normally I'll ask them, well, why? why? Why do you feel this way? And it always comes down to somebody trying to shove the religion down their throat or they used it, you know, to judge them or whatever it may be. And so then all of a sudden they associate Christianity with something bad when in all reality, if you just studied the words of Jesus, if you looked at his acts, if you emulate what he did, we're, br- we're bringing cohesiveness and love, unconditional love. Like, I mean, you know, these are not, the direct, these are not attributes of what, what Jesus did. So I always tell people, the biggest thing is, even when they come to me, it's like, dude, you're an inspiration in the faith. I'm like, don't ever look toward me. Mm-hmm. You look it to the one. Because I will disappoint you. Like, ask my staff. <laughs> I'm not perfect in my leadership. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm not my best, and, and I, I upset people. I say things I shouldn't say. I do things I shouldn't do. Don't look to me. Look to the same one that I'm looking toward. Jesus. Right? So anyway, but, but I love what you said and, no, and it definitely, yeah. And I think it's just, I think, you know, I'm an advocate of personal responsibility and, and I would probably assume the same is, is, is for you as well. I think, Absolutely. um, you know, if, if we're going to change the world, it's going to be done by the individual changing first. And I right. think, you know, I've, I've seen this played out in, in just a church that I've been at for, for four plus years, we had the removal of a, a major pastor in our church and people started to get angry and upset at the church because they began to place the pastor above Christ or even above the church. They're like, well, if he's gone, we can't be a part of this anymore. It's like, well, he was never the one that we were really here for to begin with. So I appreciate you, you know, allowing me to, to, do that there with you. Um, I want to get back to your time in service here, though. Um, you know, you've served at the highest level, special operations. You've seen some of the most graphic things in the world. You've looked evil in its eyes and had it look back. Right. What did that do to you? So, um, 2003, I was part of the invasion. And there's nothing, no training. There isn't anything that's going to properly prepare you psychologically. Okay, and in 2003, when we invaded into Iraq, we went through Safwan all the way uh, all the way north. People asked me, "Tell me, Damon, how was it like to do that?" And all I can say is the power of military might. Literally, at zero dark thirty, you got the bursting bombs as if it was daylight. The power of our air force, the power of the Marine Corps, the power of the Army, the power, the way the Navy brought it—it's like it was incredible. And uh, and it was the first time I was involved in killing. And I, I remember the first dead body I ever saw. I can still see it right now. I'm not going to get graphic, but he's sitting there and his, his brain matters out of his, of his head, out of his ears. His skull had been smashed. I looked at him. I just, it, all of a sudden, and then we kept moving forward. I still see him. He's, He's the only one that I, I, I see in the war. He is a direct reflection of everything. There were bodies, hundreds, thousands of bodies dead. Humans are not made to do this. They're not. You know, um, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm embarrassed by 
some of my behavior coming back from the war. I am. Um, but I, man, I, I, I was, I was in another zone. And, and it was weird. We come back from the invasion and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm hanging out with my wife and, and we're, and I was spinning, you know, I, I was like Maverick, right? And I'm in a tailspin and, um, I just haven't been the same since. And then you have numerous deployments to Iraq, numerous deployments to Afghanistan. And, you know, whether you are the one that pulls the trigger, whether you're the one that drops the bomb, boom, bodies are flying or the one commanding it or supporting it, it changes you. It's just the way it is. Um, and, um, and you're, you're just, you're just not the same. And I think what's really important in this process is to understand what it does. Um, um, and you know, there's, there's always going to be a scar because it's not just about killing. It's not just about being in war. There's other implications, other parts of it. Like your buddies, you will get killed. Yeah. And like, how do you explain that? How, how do you go home? There's always this guilt, right? I got, I came home. I came home to my wife and my kids, but they didn't. And it doesn't happen once. It happens many times. So there's this like moral injury involved in it. And then, and then when you're a commander, which I was, I was a a former uh, commander squadron level. I was a mission uh, commander in Afghanistan for special tactics. Um, You know, I was the number one JTAC, you know, at the siege of Sotov. And, you know, um, and, you know, we sent people, we sent our, 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 our operators out to fire bases or combat outposts. And there are times when we feel like, man, did I make the wrong decision? Cause he got schwacked. Was he too young? Was that, was that place too hot for him? But he was awesome. You know, during, during practice, during training, the guy was phenomenal. But then all of a sudden we, we sent him here. It was his first deployment. He goes to this hot space. Well, we thought he was the best. He was number one on the mic. He goes over there and then he gets killed. I have a few men where I feel guilty about it. I wasn't in control, but as leaders, we make command decisions. So there's so many of those. It doesn't end because you're talking about the psyche of war. So even the killing is the very beginning, right? Uh, Death is the beginning. Then you come home. Let me take this to the next level, bro. Then you get a phone call and your friend, your, your, your acquaintance, the dude that you deployed with just shot us. He just pulled the trigger, his brains all over the wall. So the war doesn't end mm. out there. It comes home. 99% of the time, there's only one dude that I know who's a Delta Force, who's a sniper. And he, and, and he told me how many dudes he shot, which totally was, is the record that I know of, but he's not the guy writing a book or making a movie. How many dudes he shot in the face as a sniper. He says every night he's a person of faith, strong believer in Jesus, you know, and he's like, every night I go to bed, I feel just fine. He might be a psychopath. <laughs> so, but, it, but, but, you know, I'm not him. And, um, and I struggle. Did you ever have a regret? I mean, it probably would have been really difficult to have it while you're in the action. But were there points maybe in between deployments or, or, or points throughout your career where you're like, I made the wrong decision joining here? And if so, how did you kind of deal with that in the, in the moment? No, no never. Never. I knew I was right where I needed to be. Um, you know, uh, my last unit at, in the Marine Corps, uh, I was at Second Force, uh, finished the recon indoctrination, became the Pathfinder team leader. And it was just in, in, in its infancy before MARSOC. I didn't even know that MARSOC was standing up. And, um, and basically, you know, my, my tour 
uh, abruptly ended. I won't get into the details. Um, just kind of getting an offer for to go to recon battalion, become a platoon commander, company commander. And then all of a sudden, you know, in the Marine Corps, they love these B billets. I said, no, dude. I'm I'm a warfighter. I'm not doing a B billet. I'm not going to go off and do something else. There's a war out there. There's terrorists and they need to die. And this is what I'm called to do. So I'm going to just also just take a step back as a world changer. Okay. Cause we're world changers. This is what we're doing. We're changing one life at a time. The real question is, is how do you exercise your gift or what I call a super power? All right. And the reality is, is that for me, I felt that, that God built me, crafted, shaped me into this machine. I didn't, I didn't realize this. There were institutions that helped build me up, became a transformer, you know, right. It was like the captain America. I, I took the serum, you know, I, I went through the, you know, the, 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 this, this crazy process. And one day I just woke up and I'm a giant. I'm a five foot hundred nothing giant. And I, I, don't, I don't know how that happened. I don't, I don't know how this little dude who got his butt kicked by guys like you one day is jumping out of a perfectly good airplane at 25, you know, 20,000 feet on oxygen, combat diver, demolition expert, you know, proficient every weapon known to man, every vehicle or whatever it may be. And then you're landing on in some high value target at zero dark 30 with the unit Delta, right? And, and, and you're, you're doing a capture kill mission. Like, how does that happen? How does that happen? So I believe that, you know, that, that it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a coincidence. It was my destiny. Mm. And so, so when we talk about this, I just knew that I was destined to, to do this, that, that, you know, although that there are implications of combat and there's scars that he built me to do this, you know, God has his people and they're war fighters and they're fighting for good. Are we perfect? No. Do we make mistakes? Yes. But we're still trying to do the right thing. We're fighting extreme terrorists. What, what, what do you want? You think, you think war is perfect? No, it's not. Never, ever doubted uh, where I was, uh, was the wrong place. Um, special operations is definitely my home. I loved working with my Green Berets. I loved working with my, you know, Air Force, um, you know, Air Force Special Operations Command uh, um, teammates uh, from the sky all the way down on the ground. Um, it just, just everybody that we worked with. And so, um, no, I, I'm in the, I was in the right place just as I am in the right place today. Yeah, no, and it's obviously putting you in a position where you can do all the things that you're doing to help our veterans. And just quick caveat, because you mentioned here a couple times, so the audience knows, Coach Frank has never picked on, bullied, or beat up anybody his entire <laughs> life. He's the biggest teddy bear in the world. I get what you're saying, but just want to make sure that the, that the audience knows that I'm not out here bullying little guys. Hey, you know what? I, and I want just to say that Coach Frank has not bullied me at all, not one time. So, so we're good. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, SOF missions. Was it soft missions yeah. or SOF? So we do SOF missions because, you know, a lot of people, when they say soft, they, they immediately think, um, you know, special operations forces. Got it. Okay. Uh, but it is synonymous um, uh, with what we do and how we do it. Uh, but it really represents shield of faith. Okay. That comes from the greatest philosopher, you know, in the first century, Paul, mm. who writes about what it's like to conduct war against an enemy that you can't see and how yeah. you have to properly arm yourself. And at the very end, that you are left standing when all... All, all, uh, you know, all the weapons that have been used against you, yeah. you're left standing in victory. Anyway, so it's no. the Shield of Faith SOF missions. Incredible. Well, let's let's talk about it, man. You know, what's the what's the origin behind it? What was the you know the original call that you heard or felt? And what are you guys doing? Yeah, in, in the world today. So that that's loaded. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a three part series. I'm gonna say the first. Okay. Then I'm gonna pause, and then you because then I'll be here for I'll okay. literally talk for 20 minutes. That's loaded. So um, so what happened was. In 2010, um, that was that was where the trajectory of my life radic like it went 180 degrees. 
I came back from a deployment. It was a seven-day uh, combat operation, 72 hours specifically. We were in the heat. Uh, hundreds of Taliban and militia in the area. And it was a time where something was going on with me. We, we came in with two special forces teams, great combat controllers that were with me. And, um, and as the leader... Um, the lead fires guy, I, I entered with General McChrystal, the commander of U.S. forces. By the way, General McChrystal, wherever you are, uh, probably at Yale somewhere teaching another class, it was the greatest honor to fly in with you. Never, I can't even believe that the lead general, the lead commander, would, would literally get boots on the ground in the hottest place in Afghanistan, the Cornwall Death Valley. A super honor. And then, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's a true ranger. Rangers lead the way. Um, and, um, Anyway, so what happened was that was a, a time where I didn't think we were all going to make it, and I was having an existentialistic crisis. That was another time when I had a moment with God. I experienced God. He spoke to me in the way, in the fashion I shared earlier. I came back home, and here's the problem. The problem was is that we all made it, and I'm sitting in my living room. And I'm dealing with a lot, not just PTSD. This is very, very important for everybody out there, for, especially for uh, active duty and veterans out there, family members. Um, the new signature injury of the war that's, that, that surfaced is mild traumatic brain injury, which is synonymous with concussions. Okay, that's, that, that's been a major killer of our veteran community. Because what happens is we sustain so many concussions, we can't, we're not coherent anymore. Mm. So I'm coming back. I've got a headache. I feel nauseous. And, and I'm, I've got this unparalleled uh, light sensitivity, uh, this anxiety and this depression. I started struggling since 2003 in the invasion. Didn't understand. I'm this war machine, and now all of a sudden I just feel like I'm imploding. And there was so much pain. Uh, there was a lot of pain. And um, there was physical pain. There was psychological pain. There was emotional pain. There was cognitive pain. And I got to this point where I just, I just wanted it all to go away. And I, I just... I considered, you know, killing myself. So over 20 veterans take their lives every single day, and I understand why they would want to do that. Is this world better off without you? No, no, it's not. I mean, it's, that's, that's the biggest lie in the world. Because you got a lot of people that love you and care about you. Even if you burned all the bridges because you come back as this angry, you know, black rage dude, whatever, and you're, you're, you know, you're throwing lamps and you're punching through walls and stuff, which is what I did. That's why I talk about how embarrassed uh, you know, it's embarrassing some of the stuff I said in it. It's still that I still struggle with, you know? And it was in that living room when God spoke to me again. And I heard the same plans. And it was there where all of a sudden I said, God, if you're out there, I need help. I need help. I'm sitting there with my Glock 1-9, and it's loaded. I need, I need help. And when nobody else is there, not a psychologist, not a physical therapist, not, not, no, nothing, not a, not a friend, not a family member. It's just God. And there was just a sense of peace. I put the weapon away, and it was the beginning where God just brought these amazing people around me, and it was, and it was all sorts of healthcare professionals outside of the Department of Defense. I didn't get care from, from my own you know, military. Like, I'm going to tell you, I'm a I critique hard because commanders get upset when I'm on the air and I say, you guys aren't doing your job. You're not taking care of your wars. Well, well, I am. It's all lip service. It's all lip service because all you have to do is look at the programs that they implement. Well, I, I implemented a program. Well, let's look at it. That your, your program stinks. You really think that this is relevant? You really think that this is good? No, you check the box so that you can get the next rank. Get out of here. 
And the reality is, is that's why I'm so passionate about this. So all these amazing healthcare professionals crawl around me and they get me back on my feet, a year and a half worth of care, psychological, physical, cognitive, social, spiritual. Mm. And then one day I wake up and I'm like, wow, I, I feel good. And then I get redeployed. And then in 2012, in the heart of Afghanistan, Bagram, God speaks to me again. SOF missions. I call my wife from Bagram, Afghanistan. What do you think about standing up an organization that would take care of our, our warriors, man? That we wouldn't rely on anybody else. What would it look like? What would it look like if we created awareness of the suicide epidemic? What would it look like if we actually uh, had programs, you know, to, to help them? Like real programs because we care. That was the inception of SOF Missions. Bagram, Afghanistan, 2012. Boom. SOF Missions stood up. That's the first part. Yeah. So you're still, still active. Still active. I'm a, I'm a mission commander for special tactics in Afghanistan. That's how it started. I was in war. I was in war. I was in war fighting extreme terrorists, and I'm establishing an organization, an institution that's going to fight another war against suicide. You said something at the beginning that freedom is not capable without without death. I mean, you and I are able to sit here today and do this because of the freedom that we experience in this country because yeah. of guys like you that have put your lives on the line for us. Why was there a need for even another organization? Why why hasn't this been addressed handled? I don't want to, you know, I don't want to overpoliticize this, but why why are the veterans struggling? Like why what is missing? So uh, so I'm going to go with active duty and then I'm going to go with the yeah. um, veteran. All right. And the reality is, is even when I was a squadron commander, when you're a leader, whatever level you're at, regardless, you don't have to be a squadron commander. You don't. You don't even have to be the senior enlisted. You don't. You're a leader when you take a step forward on this. When I'm asking for all the tools, you know, in special operations, oh, yeah, we'll give you a physical therapist. We'll give you a strength conditioning coach. We'll give you a nutritionist. Well, can I have a chaplain? Uh, we don't have the funds for a chaplain. So the spiritual component is not ju just as important as the mental health. So when guys are coming in and they're having these crises and, and they're asking real questions about what does God think about it? I, 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 what, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm not, I'm a commander. I share exactly what's on my heart, but I need troops that are devoted to the overall health and welfare of the warrior. And if the warrior values faith, then so should we, but I didn't get the proper support. My commander at the time, uh, the second year, not the first, my first commander was amazing. Who hardly supported. I started building the premier preservation of the force and family, a POTIF program under, um, you know, uh, uh, an incredible um, commander. The second one along the way, not so much support, not a big Damon Friedman fan. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And I didn't get everything I needed. There's a lot of components also that I feel like with the military, it's about now. So the POTIF program is about equipping you. Like you come back from war, we're going to package you back up. Nice, strong, like an NFL athlete, right? Adrian Peterson. He get, this dude was just crushing it. University of Oklahoma, go Sooners. We're crushing it, man. Great win against Texas. Again, so awesome. Venables, I love you. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, coming back, I'm not getting the support that I need. And so I'm asking these, uh, I'm asking the commander for everything, a full spectrum care. They're only going to give you the support that I need that you need, that they need, so that you can go back out to war. But for but when you're in the veteran community, so fast forward, now I'm out, what is the veteran, what, what is the VA able to do? You know, we're asking the VA to do a lot, and they're not equipped to do it. So we beat them up. 
Are there bad VA hospitals? Yeah, there are. You just look at the, the feedback. Are there good VA hospitals? Absolutely. I was at Haley's Hospital, the best hospital you're going to find in the VA. They took care of me. I was an inpatient there for three months, nine, nine, nine months outpatient, dealing with everything, mild traumatic brain injury, PTSD, chronic pain, insomnia. But what about the faith piece? I'm sitting there with my psychologist, phenomenal psychologist. I love you. Thank you so much for all the help unearthing this stuff that I buried. But the conversations about God yeah. were not answered. And, and half of my issue was moral injury. And that's a blunt trauma to the soul. So we're talking about all these pieces now. There's a lot of really great uh, forms of, of rehabilitation. So what I did was this for SOF missions to build the most premier program in America. I went to Exos, the NFL Physical Therapy Rehab Center premier. Okay. They taught me what physical therapy, rehab, strength conditioning, nutrition. I met Dr. David LeMay, the best functional physician, general, you know, um, physician that you're going to find. This dude is a stud. And, uh, he helped me with functional medicine. And then we had the Intrepid Center model, that brain piece that deals with PTSD, MTBI, chronic pain, insomnia. I packaged them all together and I built SWF missions. What it is today, our flag uh, program, the Be Resilient program, where we have these clinics, we bring the warriors in, full spectrum, like assessment, A to Z, everything you could possibly imagine, head to toe, right? It's like bumper to bumper, baby, right? Your fast car, what kind of car? If you were a car, what kind of car would it be? Hands down, what, what would it be? Well, I drive a Rubicon Gladiator, so I guess I'd have to say that's what it is. Okay, so uh, let's talk about something fast. Even though your Rubicon <laughs> Gladiator is awesome. Like, don't tell me that you're a Camaro, please. No, uh, I've never been, <laughs> never been a big car guy. Uh, Ferrari? Yeah, okay, uh, good. So let's just say yeah. Ferrari. It's like NASCAR. You have these cars traveling at 200 plus miles an hour. You know, all we, what we want you to do is we want you to get in, Take a stop, man, and let the pit master, like, you know, pit boss take care of it, bumper to bumper. Did you blow something? Tires, everything. Head to toe, not just the engine, baby. Mm -hmm. Not just the tires, not just making sure the aesthetics looks good. Everything. And that's what we do today at yeah. SOF Missions. It's the best, and only it's NFL level. That's what it is. But let me ask you a question. I got all this care because I was, you know, a trinket. Like, I was, you know, this little sexy little, you know, whatever, this item. Special operations. A lot of people gravitated to me because of that. But what about my Marines in Fallujah? Mm. What about my soldiers in Marja? They didn't get POTIF. They didn't get the cure outside of the military because they're not special operations. Do they deserve less than what I got? No. No. And that's kind of our issue. And so we help all warriors that need the help. Yeah. And by packaging it under a non-for-profit, you guys are able to provide this superior level service, NFL quality yep. therapy recovery. That's right. At a cost that's going to be doable for these guys that are not NFL income earners. Yeah, so here's the beauty behind all of it. It's free. It's free. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right, baby. Okay. So these are things like when we talk about mission, right? When I was in, and when I was, uh, in the military, I was issued equipment, I was issued gear, and then I received a mission. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to Afghanistan, you're gonna, and you're going to go in this sector, and you're going to go and find these bad people, right? So my, my commander now, is giving me a new mission, and he's providing the resources, the equipment, the supplies so that I can conduct my mission. Our veterans already paid the price. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what you did in the military. You sacrificed, and that's awesome. And you deserve the care. You do. You don't have to be the infantry up in the front line. You don't have to be a special operator jumping out of planes. Yeah. If you served, you put on that uniform, you sacrificed, and I honor you. And if you're struggling, you're hurting I want to help. So for us, 
That's what we, we want to do. Yeah. do. Do you understand what I'm saying? 100%, 100%. Yeah, and it's free. It's 100% free. We have got amazing donors. We have amazing donors that believe and God, country, and veterans. Yeah. We've got great state representatives, senators. We have uh, corporations. We've got foundations. Private, you know, people are like, hey, here's money. Go save another life. Now you guys are headquartered here in Tampa. We're sitting in your office yeah. right now here in Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. Is this something that is exclusive to the city of Tampa? Have you gone outside of the city, outside of the state? Is it available in all 50 countries, or, or what's that? Kind of, <laughs> 50 kind of, countries. 50 states, I, well, well, Texas is its own country, and I think at this point, California and New York as well. But um, um, Texas will stand up. Uh, stay strong. Uh, but anyway, um, it's in all 50 states. Okay. We predominantly serve Florida because Florida, Freedom Florida, right? Uh, the majority of veterans live here. It's the second most populated veteran state in America. Oh, wow. It is. And soon, number one. There's 1.5 million veterans here. A lot of veterans are leaving California. Yeah. And, 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 and you would assume that it was Texas. It used to be California, Texas, Florida. And Florida, leapfrog. Texas, because people were leaving Cal, yeah. so it was weird. Um, I will, will be number one. Shout out, Ron. Yeah, yeah. Governor DeSantis is making it very easy for veterans to come and and live a, a good life in the state of Florida. Yeah. Now, when you say full spectrum, would would that would that I guess be synonymous with holistic? Um, you know, our approach to helping them with pornography addiction is a fully integrated, holistic approach. Right. And and and, and why I took that route is I, we briefly talked about it at the beginning. I, I think we did that not. Before we hit record, but the church is not solving the problem. That's right. Yeah. In and, of the, yeah. in and of itself, it is doing a horrible job. You look at the data, the research, 57% of pastors are struggling with issue by themselves. Uh, so there's a hard part taking a purely faith-driven mm -hmm. approach. Then you have some great organizations out there that are purely scientific. Right. Like they look at the brain science and right. say, we're going to go this route, absent of any spiritual components or absent right. of any real soul work for the individual. So what we've done is we've taken the science, we've taken mm -hmm. the fitness, we've taken the faith, we've taken the relationships and integrated that into a holistic recovery program. When you say full spectrum, is that kind of the approach that you're taking here with SOF? So I want you to remind me about the church part, because that part's very important yeah. to me. It's another reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And also the scientific part, which is another reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but full spectrum to answer your question is, is, um, is yes, it's psychological, it's physical, it's cognitive, it's social, it's spiritual. So when, when warriors come to our clinic, when we fly them in, drive them in, right, we pay for even the transportation, like we take care of that. Um, you have psychologists, social workers, licensed mental health counselors that specialize in whatever it is that they're struggling with, physical therapists, acupuncturists, uh, chiropractors. We have, um, you know, we, we do um, strength conditioning. We have um, coaches. We have nutritionists. We have adaptive golf therapists. We have Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We have, you know, we have, um, you know, experts that deal with not just PTSD, but mild traumatic brain injury, cognitive therapists, chronic pain, insomnia, moral injury. Like, and then we have spiritual leadership. We have that piece. And, and and every warrior tries everything. And we tell them, you're going to come into the program, regardless of religion, regardless of what you believe, regardless of culture, regardless of, you know, whatever it may be, regardless of branch of service, whoever, you're going to try everything. And then when you're done, we're going to give you a follow-on care plan. And we're going to take care of you for one whole year. You get to choose what you want. Yeah. You get to choose. You, if, you, if you don't want the physical therapy, that's on you. We told you what you need. And we had the best doctors. We got, we got a, our physical therapist is, uh, is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Shout out to you, bro. Thanks for taking care of our team. Like we've got some, some studs to take care of our, our, our people. And you get to choose what you want to do. So we build the plan and then it's on you. You have to, take, you have to accept the accountability. You have to uh, take responsibility and all those things. That's full spectrum care. Let's jump to what you said about the church. Bothers me. 
um, how certain uh, church organizations, when I've had this conversation to try to bring our program into their faith-based community, how they're like, well, you know what? We, 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 we're not really believing too much in science. We're just going to believe in, in the faith. And that, that bothers me. Now, can, can, God, uh, can, can God heal anybody? Absolutely. Yeah. But, but, you know, when you look in just Paul and in 2 Corinthians and you read, he's got this like long dissertation on how he's just getting his butt kicked. Do you remember that? He's getting stoned. He's getting left or dead. He's getting, you know, he's getting beaten down, you know, whipped almost to death. Right. He's getting shipwrecked. I mean, he's just getting beat up, not by Coach Frank, but people that look like you. Just kidding. And then, and then he says the daily anxiety for his people, like 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 uh, scholars, um, um, doctors, medical doctors are wondering like, how does this dude not die of a stroke? How did this guy not die of a heart attack? There, there, there's there's physiological components that need to, needs to be addressed with humans that you know that that the church is not able and incapable yeah. of doing. You know, and at one time, so I have a service dog and some people go, you know, and I actually had somebody who was very close to me. He's like, you really, you, you really, you really don't need a service dog. Well, so when I have a syncopede, which is a seizure and I find myself on the floor. He probably knows before you do. He does. He does. He knows before I do. Or, or if my vestibular is off. So you got all these little crystals in the back of your head and I'm getting dizzy and I'm on, on my knee. He, my dog can help me get back on my, my, on my feet. My dog can literally, I'm, I'm training with another one, Zelda. Literally, go grab my phone. Mm-hmm. Go grab my phone. The dog grabs my phone over here because I don't walk around with it all the time. Some people do. Grabs my phone, call 911. So it's just, it's just pure ignorance. Yeah, people, are, people, people, people are really ignorant. And that one, that one has always gotten me, man, that you can only have science or faith or the religion, right? And like, if you think about what science is, science is we're searching for truth. We're searching for the ultimate truth right. scientifically. But in order for that to exist mm-hmm. shows that there's got to be an right. original creator right. of whatever that is. Cause you can't have, you like can't have truth out of chaos. Right. Like, there's got to be an original creator mm-hmm. kind of gets back to the intelligence mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. conversation they were having here at the beginning. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, yeah. So we, so we provide full spectrum and the faith component is in it. Uh, just as well as the psychological piece, the, you know, the physiological piece, the cognitive, social, all those. And it's, it's because humans are made of mind, body, and soul, and we're made to be com- to commune. And we broke off the physical piece to the brain, which is a, a, a common, it's a trend now. Because yeah. it's very important when we say physical fitness or physiological care. Well, a lot of people don't really think about the brain. They think about, you know, your arm, your back, exactly. your neck, or yeah. whatever, you know, carrying the rucksack, and now my back's all messed up, or yeah. a bad jump. So cognitive is what's kind of communicating the brain component. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned that the biggest issue that these men are, or these warriors are facing is not the PTSD anymore. It's actually the minor... Mild brain, traumatic brain mild injury. Mild traumatic brain yeah. injury. Yeah. So I guess the question arises here, if the brain is injured, what healing is actually taking place like do you ever get to the point where you are fully healed from the brain injury or this is why there's got to be this continuous care that's kind of like you, you now this is just a part of your lifestyle yeah like you're not healing the brain damage are you yeah so so i have something called post-concussive syndrome okay and that's from a chronic it, it's multiple traumatic brain injuries without healing it so you're in war. It is what it is. You drop a 500 pound bomb and you feel the effects. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then all of a sudden you got a you uh, hard helmet on your skull is now bashing up against that healing. Well, just it's just, the it's, yeah, just the shock, but yeah. even this, but people don't understand. So when they think of it's synonymous with concussions, 
MTBI, mild traumatic brain injury, is synonymous with concussion. And, and, and you can literally get it just by being in a gunfight and the rounds are just going and then the sound, mm -hmm. literally, yeah. just a vibration in your brain. You do that for hours, especially when you're next to a machine gunner or you are the machine gunner or you have a 50 cal machine gun, Ma Goose, which I'm telling you when that thing goes off, it's like, dong, 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 dude, everything just explodes. Yeah. Um, you do that, your brain is inflamed. The brain needs time to rest. You can't do it in combat. I get it. But then what happens, like what I did, was you go from one mission to another when, honestly, I suffered, I sustained some, some concussions. I, I needed rest. The brain needs to rest. It needs to literally, it needs to get into a cold room. It needs to be in a dark room. The sensory's got to be down, you know, and, and you got to let the inflammation go. And honestly, you can recover with MTBIs. You have too many of them back to back to back. You're into football. You remember, did you remember last year with Tua? Do you remember how he's a, a Miami Dolphins quarterback? He got hit and then he shook it off, you know, and they're like, oh, he's fine. And then, and then, and then the, the next game, yeah. he literally just gets tapped. Like, I mean, like tapped. And then he seizes on the ground mm -hmm. because what happened was, whatever happened was he never recovered from the mild traumatic brain injury. Never. And so they failed, right? Great coach, by the way. The, the coach is a genius, right? Great coach, um, doing a great job. But we have to protect our players from themselves. Yeah. Is a, he's a machine. I'm going to get back out there. I'm a warrior. No, no different than our, our, our veterans getting, out, getting after it. Like, this is my war zone. This is where I belong. Yeah. I need to be here to win. My brothers are, uh, and sisters are, are, are depending on me. So the MTBI, you have to rest from it. And there's actually a, a protocol, definitely uh, on this link uh, for this podcast. I want to make sure that the BeResilientTraining.com is on there because that's where uh, people can go to learn more about uh, PTSD, MTBI, mild, you know, and all these things and how they can heal. Yeah. Okay, the uh, BeResilientTraining.com, myself and one of the leading brain health physicians in this country, built that education. It's the foundation of our, our clinics, and now we're propagating and helping uh, not just veterans, you know, military members and first responders, but athletes and, and people who've been dealing with concussions for, throughout their entire lives. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it sounds like some of this, this work would easily be transferred over to post-NFL guys, guys that play D1 at the high level. Absolutely. You know, just, to, just to get in front of these yeah. things that maybe are going to cause problems later on, but if they get into some therapeutic, some healing That's right. work That's you right. know, early on in their early 20s That's or right. mid-20s, right. it can really extend the longevity of their life and right. extend the overall quality of right. their life as well. So that's something really exciting. Yeah, we'll have that link down there uh, to that training in the show mm -hmm. notes yeah, for you guys listen here on the, the conversation. Yeah, so uh, bringing things kind of, you know, wrapping up here a little bit. Obviously, want to tell the audience out there where they can read more about it, learn more about it. Who is an ideal candidate? I mean, I know it's obviously for veterans, yeah. but who are the guys that are coming in? And, and I mean, where, where are they at either in their journey or who, like, who are you actually having success with helping? Yeah. So, uh, we deal with, uh, honestly, so we have active duty. Um, and those individuals usually will come to us because they don't feel like they're getting the care and, um, um, w what they need from their leadership. And that happens, uh, and they can come from for all sorts of different reasons. But the majority of our community are veterans, uh, because when you leave the institution, the military, man, you know, I say this, and some people go, "Don't say that," but it, but I'm like, it's true. Nobody cares about you. They don't. And so it's like, you know, and if you're really, really struggling, and and I don't know where you're at. I just got a call the other day, and it's like, yeah, man, I I went to get a, you know, mental health um, uh, uh, provider, and they said it was 48 days. Unless I, unless I was ready to kill myself right then and there. So it's like, are you serious? And then finally, finally, 
that person, you know, does with their, you know, get together with their mental health provider. And look, shout out to anybody that works for the VA. I, I just shout out. But like, I don't think we're setting our veterans up for success because this young lady was a, was a recent graduate with her master's degree in, in social work. And, um, and, uh, and, and she'd never seen war. She never worked with veterans before. I think what she did was she had like a, a small internship or a little rotation. It was a, a you know a couple weeks or something, and so then I guess they that that counted as you know check the box. So can you imagine this dude is a war machine, a marine who's seen more combat than I can even dream of, and the first person that he gets to talk to is a nice young lady who just graduated with her master's and did whatever clinical piece and and, and never really had exposure to the veteran community except for doing around. It's not acceptable. It's not okay. It's not. And that's what our, and so he's like, so I'm sitting here talking, he's like, I'm sitting here talking about, you know, um, I'm trying to like get this off my chest where, you know, there was some innocent women and children killed while he was fighting, you know, Al-Qaeda. He's like, yeah, I killed those. I killed the bad people, but there were women and, and children that got hurt. And he's, it's a moral injury. How do I explain it to this woman? She said, literally, the, 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 the counselor started crying. We need strength when we're going to talk about it. You know what kind of courage it, re- it required for him just to talk to somebody? Yeah. So I say, look, you know, come to SOF Missions. We took care of it. All my healthcare providers, man, have extensive experience with our veteran community. And, you know, and, 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 and it's like concierge care. It's a, it's a shame, man, because, you know, we've got millions of Americans who've deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq, both men and women. You know, and we got 20 million veterans in, in the United States. Man, do you know what the percentage of veterans are that are homeless? It's significant, man. It's like one out of five or something like that. You know, I got I to look at this stat. We'll, we'll look it up. We'll put it down there. But that's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. Something is wrong. And subsidies is one to four. Yeah. We're not taking care of our warriors, man. Like, they went out. They deployed. They fought. So you can eat your McDonald's. That you can go to your Chick-fil-A. That you can go and get your Starbucks. So that you can say, you can work where you want to work. You can go to school where you want to go to school. Yeah. Anyway, I can go on and no, on. Even if we go a little bit over, I don't no, this care. Is, this, is, this, is, this is great. Now, we're on, we're on no time, you know, real time limit here. But um, obviously, we want to get uh, some attention out there. So, guys, if you're listening, if, if you're struggling, if you're a veteran yourself or you know somebody, we all have people in our lives, whether it's our neighbors, our friends, our community members, or people in our family that are struggling with these things. Obviously, redirect them or direct them to, is it FOSmissions.com? Yeah, it's, the, yeah, it's SOFmissions.org. Okay, SOFmissions.org, okay. org, right? Org. Yeah. And then for anybody that, that want to financially get involved and support our is it open to yeah. you know, small donations? Yeah, well? absolutely. We're running this incredible. Um, we're we're running this incredible campaign that we're going to be launching very soon, and uh, you know I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go ahead and sport it right here. I don't know if I can stand up. It's called the Operation Red Belt. Let's go it, friends. Okay, come on. This is bad to the bone, right? Okay. Am I good here? Am I good? Right? And this is this is like this this is legit. Check it out. Okay. This this belt this belt is made. You could do shooting with this thing. It's high grade. It's quality man look at the buckle and these are going to be for sale but actually it's for donations only if you if you donate 22 dollars a month 100 percent of the money goes into the veterans and you get to you could you could do some shooting with this thing you could you could go on a mission trip with this thing or you could just look super sexy in a suit that's that's what i did by the way i'm sure you look really good with it too the well, buckle man it aligns with, dude, with our you, colors, the, the red and black i got the red dude of course one's on dude, if i'm not rocking the jordans i'm rocking the red crocs dude, like red is my color dude man. this is this is it and you got the shield of faith 
Right here, buckle. Yeah. Right here, baby. Come on now. You're walking out of here with one for sure. We're getting that. We're getting right. that, guys. Yeah, red so, belts. Red yeah, belts so we're coming for that. everybody, I know, guys. I know. That's right. It's um, going to be awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, we'll get all that plugged down in the show notes. We'll have this, uh, those uh, those trainings, all the stuff to get linked up with Dr. Damon, SOF Missions. We'll have a link to his book, which we didn't even talk about. That's all right. Uniting movements, how critical factors and special ops empower world changers. We may have to have you back on to talk about why everybody out there needs to become a world changer. That's right. Life. Absolutely. But, There's definitely a number two. Yeah. Let's bring this to a close. We end every question. I'm sorry every conversation here with the same question the title of our show is called the superman life and dr damon when i talk about living a superman life for me it's a belief system or it's a way that i try to show up in the world every single day and how i try to operate Mm -hmm. my life and i think we're going to align on a lot of these things but Mm -hmm. i come from the place that i believe we're here for a purpose there's something that we're all supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. i think you and i are probably walking Mm -hmm. pretty closely to what that is for each one of us Uh, but we can't just stop there and accept that god put us here for a purpose Mm -hmm. we got to be very intentional about our growth about our development and how we actually bring that purpose to the world that's right in service for others how do we become world changers yeah. through living a superman life so that's how i kind of phrase and define yeah. it but as we end today's conversation dr damon friedman how would you define living a superman life so what i'm going to say is this is is it um there are eight billion people in the whole world all right coach frank eight billion people in the whole world and the reality is is that every human being has a gift which i call a superpower okay your superpower is different than mine coach frank it just is And I always tell people, find your superpower, harness it, and use it, and be an unstoppable force for good. Don't covet somebody else's superpower. Embrace the superpower that you have. When you look at the the Avengers, my friend, every one of them has its own superpower. All right? Whether they like it, love it, or hate it, it's their superpower. And you get to choose what you're going to do and how you're going to use it against an enemy. It's yours and yours alone. Stop trying, to, stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to uh, you know, harness a gift that you, that, that you don't really possess. And so I say this. Eight billion people in the whole world, you have today. I have, I, have, I have looked at death in the face so many times, Coach Frank. And I can really appreciate what does it mean when you get up in the morning, that's one more day that you have to do something incredible and to make an atomic impact. And so people ask me, what, do, they go, Damon, being a world changer, that, that, that's, that is so huge. That there, that, that I don't even know how to do that. It's like, it's like I, I'm a nobody. Listen to me. Listen to me. There's, a, there's, there's, there's so many issues going on in the world. You got homelessness. You got world hunger. You got kids who, you know, they show up to day one without supplies. Some of them don't even have shoes and they haven't even eaten. There's so many problems out there. Find the problem that you believe you're called to be, to be a part of the solution. Mine is now the second chapter of my life. I'm fighting an invisible enemy called suicide. I'm fighting it, and it's hard. It's a tough, tough, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna win in my lifetime, but I'm hoping that I'm igniting a movement to make an atomic impact. And the way I tell people is how you become a world changer is this. One, one life at a time. You change the world you become a world changer by changing the life of one life at a time. Figure what that is. Figure out what your superhero power is. Join an Avenger team and be an unstoppable force for good. Yeah. Incredible. Powerful. Guys, Igniting Movements will be linked down there in the show notes. If you're looking for a team of Avengers to jump on board with, jump on and support, SOF Missions is where it's at. We'll have that link down in the show notes. Dr. Damon, it's been an absolute honor today. True pleasure, man. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Guys, get out there. Share this one as much as you possibly can. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to rate the show. But we love you guys. We'll see you next week.